This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Schneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Well, just before we went to air with great fanfare, the government organized a photo op showing some healthcare workers getting their second dose of the Pfizer vaccine. Thank you very much for my that I've finished my vaccine. So I hope you I hope you will do the same. Well, that is Anita Quindengen, and she is a personal support worker from the Rekai Center. And uh, if that was supposed to instill confidence that we are getting ahead of it, it was perhaps a bit misleading. Also, with great fanfare at the national level in Ottawa and here in Ontario, military generals were named to lead the rollout, lead the charge. but. We are laggards. Israel leads the world with 12% of its population already vaccinated, and that is over a million people since the end of December. Canada is well down the pack. Nationally, 121,000 people have had the jab. That's 0.3% of the population. Here in Ontario, only 42,000 have received it, and that is 2.8%. And even compared to the other provinces, we rank 7 out of 10 in the rollout. Meanwhile, there's a rallying cry among doctors begging the authorities to let them help get those shots into the arms while so much of our supply is sitting in freezers. Like to hear from you, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Now I am joined by Dr. Brian Hodges. He's the Chief Medical Officer at the University Health Network. Dr. David Jacobs, President of the Ontario Association of Radiologists, and Dr. Timothy Caulfield, a professor in the Faculty of Law in the School of Public Health at the University of Alberta. Thank you so much for being with us. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Okay. Uh, let's start with Dr. Hodges. Uh, it was the University Health Network that gave out those second shots. Uh, what's your take on how we're doing in terms of a rollout? I'm calling you. There are two major initiatives underway. I'm calling you from the Cedarvale Terrace in Toronto, where our, our uh, mobile team continues our uh, vaccination of long-term care homes. UHN, uh, for our part, is partnered with 15 long-term care homes, and we started vaccinating in earnest on the 31st, two homes a day, and we aim to be finished this week. Um, we've gone very aggressively at that. The uh, announcement you uh, spoke about is the uh, on-site Michener uh, clinic where, where staff from long-term care homes go to get their vaccine, and that started the 14th of December. Um, so these two initiatives are uh, going at full speed, um, and of course it's only a small part of the puzzle. But we're uh, we're going as quickly as we can in the UHN context. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it sounds like uh, you are ahead of a lot of the other contexts, uh, and you believe that you will get through the long term. How many long term care homes are you responsible for? 
We were assigned in wave one. You may recall speaking to me when we were yeah, actually, I, I was do, a pleasure to be on your show in uh, the wave one. There was an outbreak in uh, several of our homes and we established a relationship with 15 long-term care homes and five retirement homes. And we've maintained those tight relations and, and we uh, have been vigorously uh, vaccinating uh, those homes uh, working with the homes and we will be completed this week. Okay, well, that sounds good. Let's bring in Dr. Tim Caulfield. Uh, you're in Alberta. What would you say about the rollout? Well, it's it's been, let's say, less than ideal. Um, to be fair, um, this is a really tough situation, and I think you know, you know, despite the numbers that that you talked about, you know, most jurisdictions around the world, you know, are struggling. In the UK, I think they're at one point five percent, and and they're panicking also. Now. Look, this is this is a unique situation, and I'm hopeful. I'm always an optimist that that we are going to get better at this rapidly. There seems to be political will to get the the vaccines out as quickly as possible, and most importantly, there seems to be political will to try to get uh, the coordination to be better. But look, the problems are are about staffing. You know, getting people to to actually do this. They're about um, the system is already strained, partly because. Uh, of COVID, and, and as everyone knows, there are real technical challenges with with this with this vaccine. So, uh, and we also have to remember that the, you know this vaccine was approved really just just last month. So things are developing rapidly. So my my summary is that it has not been ideal. I think everyone uh, wished and, and thought and hoped we'd be further along. But I am I am optimistic that we're going to get better rapidly. I mean, I, I, we've got to be optimistic about this. Uh, and and one of the things that we need to do is, and you touched on this, is get more people involved, more a variety of healthcare workers, pharmacists, nurses, uh, family physicians involved in in the distribution. Well, they are champing at the bit to get involved. Dr. David Jacobs, I saw you tweeting about what was going on in Israel. And uh, I, um, I was off last week looking at it, and, and I have a nephew and his partner who are studying there, um, including someone in medical school. So, I mean, you know, they're doing an amazing job. Okay, we, we're, we can't do that kind of an amazing job, but what do you see as the holdup here? Well, the holdup is, uh, and, and it's the elephant in the room, the holdup is supply. So there are two types of vaccination strategies that you can uh, embark on. There's a targeted vaccination strategy and a whole population vaccination strategy. If you want to achieve herd immunity, which is the best way to protect your population, you have to have about 80% of the population vaccinated. We have 38 million people in Canada. You can do the math, but right now in our in Canada we've only received about half a million doses so we are miles away from being able to do a whole population vaccination strategy um so what's left to us is a targeted vaccination strategy and when you look at what we've done in terms of a targeted vaccination strategy we've done pretty well considering what we've got. To go to each individual long-term care center to vaccinate the, the patients and staff is a very laborious process. So we, it's of no, it should be of no surprise that we're, that we're going through our vaccine supply relatively slowly. There's no particular province that's done poorly compared to the others. We're all at about 30% utilization of the vaccine doses made available to us. 
So what you're seeing is we're stuck with a targeted strategy because we do not have the supply necessary for the entire population. And that is a direct result of Trudeau ordering the vaccines late. Well, I, I, I would have to agree with that. And I have to say that I was in shock, uh, Dr. Hodges, when I heard that, that Canada, we don't even expect to get to the over 75 population until perhaps the end of April. How is that acceptable in any way? Well, Dr. Jacobs is making an excellent point that what we're doing is we're trying to find the places of the greatest risk. And obviously, we know the enormous risk in long-term care. We've been all hospitals and and community agencies partnered to try to do everything we can with serial outbreaks in long-term care. So the urgency is to get that population done, followed by retirement homes and congregate settings. But you're right. It would have to be a significant amount of vaccine arrived to vaccinate all members of the society who are over 70 or over 80. Um, I, I noted that in the United Kingdom, their vaccination rollout strategy is in, in tiers of age groups. So, um, but yes, as, as has been said, uh, right now, the focus is to um, urgently get uh, mass coverage in locations such as long-term care homes where there have been a significant number of lives lost and, and significant incidents of outbreaks. I heard anecdotally, and I'm wondering if any of you have heard this, that there, that not as many long-term care workers are taking the vaccine as they had hoped, and that people are hesitant about being among the first. May I tell you a story from about a half an hour ago? Please. In every home we go into, uh, we vaccinate as many residents as we can. On the weekend, we received authorization to also vaccinate staff. So at first, we just used the extra doses we have, but now we announce it and we seek consent. And uh, just minutes ago, I was in the lobby with uh, a personal support worker who an hour and a half ago told me that she really was not comfortable going downtown to the vaccine clinic. Um, I, I gave her some information. I suggested she talk to her family doctor. I found her in the line. I asked her what changed. She said that our team was making her comfortable and uh, 30 more members of the staff uh, lined up behind her to get the vaccine. So there is something really important about addressing people's anxiety and, and discomfort. And, and I think there is some magic to the, the, the peer effect of seeing your colleagues and your, and your close uh, compatriots uh, stepping forward to be vaccinated. So I do think that um, it's important to have the central locations where long-term care home and other healthcare workers can go to be vaccinated. But I think we're going to pick up a, a, an additional very significant percent with the uh, targeted on-site clinics. Well, let's hope so. I mean, I also heard stories about uh, about some vaccines going bad because they've been thawed and they weren't administered. Definitely not ours. We've had no wastage and zero return. Uh, we work really hard. What we do at the end of each home, uh, and as I said, we've, we're through about 10 now. We're doing two a day. We do an announcement overhead if there are any last members of... Uh, we're doing also essential care partners. And so um, typically, uh, we will actually run out. Uh, we're trying to gauge as best we can to not miss anybody, but we have not wasted uh, a single dose. Well, that is definitely good to hear. Dr. Tim Caulfield, I have a couple of questions. First of all, I've seen criticism online that so much responsibility for the rollout here in Ontario and nationally was given to generals, uh, to people who are not experts in health, who don't understand the public health system. Is, is that a fair criticism? 
Well, it's an interesting criticism. You know, I've heard that too. You know, on on the plus side, the the idea is that this is a community that is is used to this kind of logistical uh, challenge, and and that has the respect of the community. On the negative side, which you've just pointed out, this is also a community that perhaps is not uh, does not have public health experience. In fact, almost certainly doesn't have public health experience of this of this nature. So, look, I, I think everyone agrees that what we need is is better coordination. We need uh, a more diverse, perhaps, workforce uh, on on this initiative. Uh, Jane Philpott, the former Minister of Health, has made this point also uh, quite loudly that we need to get more, for example, retired nurses involved. We need to get pharmacists involved, involved as, I, as I said earlier. So this is really going to require an all-hands-on-deck approach uh, and a, a tight coordination between the provinces um, and the feds. And, and the other thing that needs to happen, and building on something that you said earlier, is, is this is also going to require a, a communication strategy. We really need to continue to fight the misinformation that's flowing around uh, around the vaccine. You know, the good news is there seems to be an increase in interest to get vaccinated. I think that's fantastic news. And I think that's partly because of the efficacy. I think that's partly because people are seeing their peers get get vaccinated. Uh, but I also think it's because of the ongoing uh, science communication strategies that we're seeing at all levels. And it's so, so important. So yeah, this is going to take uh, a, a real, a real effort from a variety of sectors. I'm a little confused about who actually administers Dr. Hodges. Obviously, uh, the UHN team is administering in the long-term care homes. And what's the relationship between that and, and public health? Because uh, our just regular flu vaccination uh, was a bit problematic this year, and it was a lot faster if you dealt with pharmacies than if you dealt with public health. Currently, our directions come each night to the, the mobile vaccination team from uh, Toronto Public Health and the Central Lynn to tell us which homes to go to. The team has a team of four, of two doctors and four nurses, all from the Toronto Western Family Health Team. So it's family medicine led. Um, this uh, today and tomorrow, we're working very hard on the scaling up of multiplying from one team to six working with the other partner hospitals in the in the GTA. And we feel the same model will be effective to use primary care family medicine. It's important to note that the acute care hospitals really have enormous COVID challenges of our own at the same time. So it's important that we're not pulling people from that realm. But the experts in vaccination are family medicine, pharmacy, nursing, and public health. And uh, so I think this is really, uh, it's wise to build teams that uh, come from, from, from that background as much as possible. Absolutely. I mean, there's a hashtag, I think it was started by Dr. Brian Goldman, called Ready to Vaccinate. And it's full of doctors and nurses who saying, take me, take me, Dr. Jacobs. I mean, what, how come, you know, I'm, I'm wondering how come nobody thought of this at the beginning? Well, it's, uh, <laughs> I personally, I volunteered uh, for my hospital's uh, vaccination program, but really the, the problem isn't uh, available people to do vaccinations. This is an incredibly simple procedure to do. You could teach somebody in about a, a lay person how to do a vaccine, administer vaccination uh, in about five minutes. So, and, and they'll be able to do it quite competently. So, Manpower really isn't the issue here. It's availability of vaccine, of vaccine doses. Um, and 
we can talk around the issue, but we could go through all of the vaccines that we have in our freezers if we wanted to do a whole population strategy. We could go through them today. Uh, it, it really just isn't that that many vaccine doses. And we've seen that before. When we had H1N1, we, we uh, were very efficient in getting the vaccine doses that we had out to the population. So we can talk around, the, uh, around all sorts of small problems, but the big problem is, do we have an a- a- enough doses? And the answer is, but, clearly, we do not. That may be, but I'm still hearing and seeing, you know, tallies that, that, most of what we have is in the freezer. Well, again, we have about, uh, we, we've administered about 30% of what we've got per province. And yes, most of it is in the freezer. And we do have to recognize that the getting the vaccine to the long-term care patients is a complex is the most complex part of this particular problem. And it has to be done properly and it has to be done carefully so as to best protect the people who are administering the doses and so as to deal with what are very complex patients. So to do a large population, uh, yes, it's a very simple thing where, uh, you know, you could easily train people to do it and you can do it very quickly. The long-term care problem will take time to solve. So we, we can't confuse the, 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 uh, the two problems. And we do have to go about it carefully and thoughtfully. Uh, Tim Caulfield, do you agree with that? Well, I do think that what I've been hearing, and I, and the, so I can just say what I've been hearing, is that there are staffing issues, that there are issues about getting right now, and uh, that, that seems to be one of the bottlenecks. Um, uh, and again, I can only report what I'm sort of hearing, you know, from from colleagues um, about about why this is a problem and why you have some um, leaders calling for um, sort of unique staffing uh, approaches to to vaccination. For sure, long term supply is going to be uh, an issue. We obviously need vaccines, uh, but when we have we have uh, a high number of vaccines still, you know, in the freezers, as people have been saying. You know, that does not suggest that our, our current system is as, as efficient as it could be. And therefore, we need to look at why is that the case. And I think there are, are a bunch of reasons. Look, in, in, we've talked about Israel. In Israel, they have, uh, I think it's, you know, it's been reported that they have 150 clinics offering vaccination for their, pro, their population of 9 million. They have drive um, And yes, too. they have the supply, right? Um, and what's Ontario's population, point? Five million, something like that, right? And they, how many clinics do they have? does Ontario have? Nineteen, twenty, twenty-five? I'm not really sure, but you see, there is that, that kind of discrepancy. So, yeah, we have to look at at points where there's a bottleneck, and, and staffing seems to be one of them. Right, and and again, there are all these doctors all over Twitter saying they they are ready to be part of the team to vaccinate. Because uh, I don't know, to me, it it seems I agree that there were issues with the supply. We were slow to sign up for it, all of that. But still, that doesn't explain to me why they're sitting in the freezers. Uh, Dr. Hodges, I mean, do you think that family docs can just jump in and and pick up the slack? Well, we have a large number of physicians, and actually that group has been terrific. Um, I would say, and in fact, this is a real question for us because, as you know, that the Michener Clinic at UHN is one of the busiest and has been going continuously since the 14. This week, we'll announce a, an additional second clinic tomorrow and probably a third shortly after. The the uh, scaling up of it is 
a little bit complex while it's targeted, um, it, not just the person doing the jab. That's important. The, the pharmacy uh, staff that prepares it, it's kept in a nine. The Pfizer vaccine is kept in a minus 80 freezer. So there's some issues of cold chain and preparation. And when we ship vaccine out to locations, we have to do that. So I would just say um, cautiously, it's, it's certainly much more than just the person that's doing the injection. That said, um, yeah, I think that it's wonderful that people are stepping forward. I would say that every, in the Toronto context, every resource hospital who has a collection of long-term care homes and is running clinics uh, through family medicine um, has a great resource to take advantage of. As I mentioned, we're trying to launch four to six new teams this week, and, and certainly we will have opportunities there. The, the challenge is as well, because of the limited supply, there are not that many vaccine depots yet. Um, there are a small number of them for a very, very large area. So transporting, getting authorization to transport uh, vaccine each morning is is done by uh, authorization of public health in the Lynn. But I, I think as I try to learn from the amazing experience in Israel, there is a lot more uh, vaccine available on the ground and in England as well, and more widely distributed um, into the freezers. Uh, not everyone has a minus 80 freezer uh, available. Um, so there are also supply chain, cold chain, and distribution issues that are important. Uh, yeah, they also have drive-through clinics, which make a lot of sense. Uh, I mean, it just seems that it's, I mean, you know, it's it's hard to compare. It's also, uh, it's a country that is used to having to mobilize quickly, be it for whatever, right? Yes, I think so. And if you compare it to our, I believe we were a little bit slow in learning how to do swabbing as well. And in the early days, it was it was a bit piecemeal, and then we ramped up. But then now you see things like drive-through swabbing and massive swabbing clinics. So uh, I agree with you that we have often learned from other countries uh, about uh, about this. And I think this is a critical point. The, the comment was made about us um, paying attention to the science and operations and knowledge translation. And I think it's urgent for people who have expertise in health systems to be to be thinking about the design uh, the design of a much more efficient system. Okay, well um, we are starting to run out of time. Is is there any hope that we will move up the the schedule we're being told now, Dr. Caulfield? Um, I, I've heard you know optimistic uh, predictions that things are are going to improve, but. I think it's still early days. In fact, I, I think over the next week we're going to get a sense, um, and perhaps some of your, you know, one of the other guests will have exact numbers. We're going to have a better sense of how how it increased even over the past couple of days. But look, as I said before, we've got to be optimistic. People want to make this happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Doctor Jacobs, what do you think? Or I, I think that we're going to see a significant ramp up in terms of the targeted population. I think that we're going to see a lot uh, as we get more practiced at this. We're going to see uh, long-term care homes being covered uh, much more efficiently, much more rapidly. Uh, But then I think we're going to run into a problem with our second strategy, which is the whole population vaccination, and that is going to depend completely on supply. So good news for long-term care, a big question mark for the rest of the population. Dr. Hodges? 
I agree. I think we can, if we're really aggressive and the signs are good, we can get long-term care finished in January, hopefully early January, retirement homes as well. I think we can also do the acute care hospital populations, which are huge and also critical because they're managing COVID on wards and ICUs. Um, I agree with my colleagues online that the challenge is the broad population approach to the general public. Okay, on that note, thank you so much, Dr. Tim Caulfield, Dr. David Jacobs, and Dr. Brian Hodges. We really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks Thanks for having me. Okay, and that is all the time we have for today. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.